2: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn-Awardner, and I'm very excited to say that I have the fabulous Trini Woodall with me on this episode. Now, Trini is such an interesting character, and I was... Full, full disclosure, I was a bit scared about going to this interview, because if you watch her Facebook Lives, and I strongly advise that you do, clearly the show show notes will contain links to those. She's very high energy, and one thought becomes another in the space of a nanosecond... And as podcasting goes, you know, you try to have some sort of conversation. I'm happy for conversations to go absolutely anywhere and in any direction. But I really didn't know what to expect with Trini. But I was really surprised and pleased and so happy because, yes, she's Trini exactly as you would expect. But we talked about things like starting a business in a very competitive beauty industry. We talked about finding your authentic voice um, finally being able to express yourself in the way that feels a hundred percent you we talk about the role of social media her career in media um, we also talk about burnout which for someone if you watch 20 for someone who has that kind of energy I often wonder when I see them well if that's the high what does the low look like we talk a little bit about burning out it's just a really well-rounded chat, and she's very calm, very, very calm. And it was um, something I wasn't expecting, but it, she's just got this, the energy that you get from her Facebook Lives, this high energy, it's very inclusive, it's very welcoming. you can't help but watch it and feel like she is talking to you. And when you're with her, she has this incredibly warm, sweet, kind, generous energy. She looks you in the eye. She's, she really gives a damn about what you have to say. And she's fun. So, yeah, many, many ticks on my people that I want to spend more time with list. So, um, the hook of this chat is to talk about Twinny London, which is her makeup brand. And it's a brilliant brand. Um... It's stackable makeup, little pots of makeup with everything. It's got your foundation, it's got your eye makeup, it's got your cheek contour, it's got your highlighter, everything that you could possibly want. And these, all the, excuse me, all these pots stick together, stack together, and you can do your whole look with just these pots on your fingertips. And to be honest, as somebody who loves playing with makeup, I was like, sure, whatever. But um, I watched Twinnie do her makeup in front of me during this podcast without a mirror. And one of the first things I did when I got home was take off all my makeup and try to do exactly the same thing and by Jiminy I don't think there's a lot of makeup you could do this with but you can do it with the twinny London stack and now I'm a complete convert I wasn't sure before I had used it previously and because it's cream based I thought yeah I don't think it's got staying power but I'm gonna really give this a good few weeks of trialing and see if I see if I'm wrong because I watched Trini do her makeup right in front of me and she used her BFF cream, she used uh, the foundation, the cheek contour and a bit of eyeshadow, and then just a little bit of um, lip product and it transformed her. Now she looked great without makeup anyway and she has lashes so that's done but she looked, it was, it was really prettifying and I guess if you like that look if you don't want to look over made up and you don't want to look like makeup is wearing you, it's a great choice. And the way that you actually go about Twinny London, is you go onto the website, you put in some details, like your hair color, your eye color, your skin tone, et cetera, and it throws back at you all of the colors that might suit you, or will suit you. So you can't really go wrong, which I think is an excellent, excellent idea. Because let's face it, who hasn't bought something thinking, oh, I saw it, that it was used in, on such and such, or so and so said they loved it. And then you get it at home on you and it just looks absolutely ghastly. So it's worth going to have a look. And obviously the show notes will contain the link to Trini London. So you can take that little questionnaire. Um, It's very, very simple. And honestly, it throws back the results in a couple of seconds. It's really, really easy. So that's what you're going to get from this show. I hope you enjoy it. I will be putting all of the links to Trini, her social media, Facebook lives, etc. in the show notes. And if you want to get in touch with me, I would love to hear from you. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Or, as you know, I'm usually on Twitter and Instagram, so DM me on there, I am at Emma Guns. And if you are enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you could head over to iTunes, or wherever you listen and subscribe, maybe leave a five-star rating and review, you know, if you're feeling frisky, or just tell all of your friends and say, hey, listen to this podcast, it's great, if that's what you think. So anyway, here we go. Um, I'm very pleased to say that on this episode, it's Trini Woodall on The Emma Gunn Show, talking all things Twiny London and more. There's absolutely no doubt where I could be today. Not only am I surrounded by fairy lights, I'm also surrounded by stacks, stacks. of stacks. And um, you may have noticed this or may have heard it in the sense you may have heard the door close, nothing more. I just uh, used the infamous bathroom. You did. And it was quite a moment. It was like going to Disneyland and seeing the castle. It's much
0: smaller. Both Madame Hirons, sorry, <laughs> um, Hiron's and, um, and Nadine came in. It's much smaller. Like, you know, when you kind of get somebody's head, oh, it's much smaller. But it, it is small, but it's got mirror.
2: Oh, and I re- it took me a while to figure out what the angle is.
0: I was like, well, how are they doing this mm. magic? And then I realised mm. you obviously have wonderful natural daylight it's the best light I mean it's it is such good light that they were both quite excited by the light <laughs> and then what happened silly me I had a, another set of interesting women who were coming in the bathroom and and also coming to see me I'm I'm so rude. <laughs> um and one of Marcia Kilgore who's founded um Bliss and she came along and she was just fab but I realized half an hour before my god it's dark you know because I just always do I was doing these through yeah. the summer, yeah, so then um we put a ring light on, which felt very unnatural for me because I never do things with with um ring lights,
2: yeah.
0: and it gives a kind of white white outness. so we did this ring light the ring light in the end, she was very happy with the ring light she loved thought it was very oh it happy. shares light of choice it, it is yes, but i I find it kind of blue and cold, and if you can catch light well on my window, I feel it's a much mm. you you see things better and um Natural daylight is unbelievably mm. flattering.
2: Yeah. Ring light blurs out the stuff that you don't want to see, which is why yes, it's so love it. loved. Mm. But that bathroom is the home of so much activity.
0: Yes, it is, yes, isn't it? <laughs> it's a whirlwind of activity.
2: Um, because the lives, the stories, everything. Now, tell me about all of that, because I've known you for many years. Mm. I bought your books. Cool. I watched your show religiously. And I wanted to be you, and no disrespect to Susanna. I didn't want to have... Which, obviously, I'm a curvier girl. I, but I always wanted... I, why can't I be like Trinny? Oh. So when I'd read the books, because obviously one has to get to that point where one accepts oneself. But I've, so I've known you for years, and then it's... Have you seen twinny's videos? Mm. And it was just this incredible sort of thing on the scene of...
0: you do realize Have you seen what Twinny's doing? So mm. tell me about all of this. And well, how, it's, kind of, it's very interesting, because when you look at the um changed from being on a show where you're edited. So mm-hmm. when we did What Not to Wear, it was a very edited show. And even though we didn't have any scripts, still they would, you know, the producers now to decide, okay, let's formulate how these women are. Mm-hmm. And we were ourselves on the show, but they would kind of I was this this sort of tall, skinny, tough one, and Susanna was warm and cozy and curvy. And it was it was good, it resonated mm-hmm. with the women because, you know, you might have wanted to dress how I was dressing but you were probably drawn more to Susanna's emotional connection with women you know and I think that was how it was for years and then we did shows um we became you know yesterday's news here we did shows internationally and because they we didn't have a legacy when we did those shows they edited us a bit better as we were and we did kind of rather mad shows India, Israel, Australia we kind of went on this world trip for about three or four years but when I came back and I knew that I'd had a burnout from from working, you know, I'd leave London on a Sunday night mm-hmm. and leave Terminal 5. I got to know the, the baggage checking people at Terminal 5 so well. Um, and then I would um, be away and come back on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. We both had kids. And that was very tough. And I knew also I wanted to do something by myself. Not that I don't love Susanna mm-hmm. and I will love her until the day I die. Uh, but I just knew I needed to, for me to prove to myself could I do something by myself? Mm. And that was that was one thing I hadn't tried yet, you know. So,
2: well, I, let's dig into that because I think that's really interesting. And what you can, see, I've watched your videos, and I just thought, is I wonder whether this is the first time she's found her authentic voice without wanting
0: to sound too trite. But tea. I, yeah, I, I think it's it's a mixture of things. When you hit fifty, there is a freedom about hitting fifty. And I remember this girlfriend of mine who's four years older than me said, you know, when you hit 50, turn the certain freedom. I was thinking in my 40s, oh, yeah, OK. You know, just because I was in a place of slight fear, I, I reached menopause a little bit early. So I had all that kind of feelings that you get around menopause, where you, you feel the, the carpet is pulled from underneath you and you lose your confidence. So all those things were occurring a little bit earlier for me. And so when I got to 50, I did find that freedom. And the biggest freedom of it was not giving a shit. And so therefore, when you're then talking to people, you talk entirely how you how you want to talk. And I remember the moment when I realized the joy and the, the fascination with what Facebook could be in my life, because I went to see Facebook and started doing a few Instagram. You know, I started doing Instagram in like 2012, but for two or three years, it was like pictures. Everyone else, you know, family photos, that kind of stuff. And then I started to do a bit of video. And then I went to see Facebook and they said, we like those it videos, do them on Facebook. And I remember leaving the Facebook office and I went back to my bathroom and I just stuck my phone on the wall. And I just said, you know, hi, I'm Trini, I'm in my bathroom. And then these people started appearing, <laughs> you know, leaving comments, hi, Trini, I'm in Israel, hi, Trini. I'm, and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> you know, tapping away as I was trying to put on makeup and talk to them. And I thought, this is brilliant there's no editor there's no producer there's nobody telling me how I should be I can mm. swear as much as I like I can just the joy of mm. it was tremendous and so I just started doing those and I found because I, I found in my bathroom it was very cozy and it's a different bathroom now because when I started it was in my house that I rented out and it was a really beautiful bathroom and a mm. big bathroom and with this huge uh, east-facing light and um and it was kind of great. And I didn't have anyone else in it. I would just literally come in, go up to the bathroom, stick the phone on the wall and chat. Mm. And then I had to rent that house out because I was building a business and I couldn't afford to live in the house, rented where I am now. And I now do it from this one, which which is fine. But when I was looking for the property, <laughs> I um, kept going straight to the bathroom. And they'd say, don't you want to see the bedroom? And I'd say, no, <laughs> the bathroom light has to be good. And that, was, that kind of that. drove me to my rental Um hypothetically but but it is um it's a brilliant medium it mm. really is a brilliant medium and you learn a tremendous amount about women
2: you
0: mm. know I'm sure you find in your work and anyone who is you know commu- communicating directly with an audience mm. um you then feel on top of it you feel you know you really sense what women are needing to know more um and then hopefully you deliver content that that they that resonates with them Mm. and I think uh when I've had Caroline Hirons and when I've had Nadine Bagger on
2: the show um particularly with Nadine actually having written both of us for magazines for such a long time yeah it was only once we started putting out our own type of content and having a direct dialogue with Mm -hmm. people that you realize actually there's a quite a big disconnect
0: as being a beauty journalist being a beauty journalist
2: because your main your main dialogue is with brands Mm
0: -hmm. that's so true
2: so when you start yes, speaking to so real tra- women, yeah. it transforms everything. And that again, that inform I mean, my entry level into it actually was QVC.
0: Which is one of the best places to communicate directly with women.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I did some work as a guest presenter mm. and then on Twitter this dialogue started to happen mm. and I thought, literally had one of those light bulb moments where I just thought, I have I ever really answered the question correctly? And so started doing it that way. Mm. And I guess with the TV shows and all those backgrounds, yes,
0: you must have had a dialogue of sorts, but has Mm. this been something completely different for you? Totally different. And I think it then, um, I had already begun to have the idea of of Trinity London. And so I was always asking them questions to Mm. see how they felt about stuff. And I would kind of seed ideas with them and just see how they were reacting without telling them things and just Mm. see what would come back. And it helped me to really steer the business because even though they didn't know I was launching, I was thinking, this is what they're feeling about this and this is the difficulty they have here. And I'd already worked a lot on the formulas and the colours, but it, mm-hmm. it enabled me to think how I can come up with solutions for people um, because I think there's so much choice. You know, the world of makeup, there is a tremendous amount of choice. And mm-hmm. when I, I used to travel around, and in every country we filmed, we'd have a different makeup team. And they'd all be young makeup artists with Ignot in Poland or MAC in Australia Mm -hmm. or, you know, every brand and every age of makeup artists. And the first day was always tricky because I'm quite a tough taskmaster. And we had a show where we'd probably be filming 20 episodes and there would be eight women in each episode that we'd make over. And so we did a day, um, you know, three days of filming, meeting those women Mm -hmm. and a day of a catwalk show, which was their makeover day. So they'd all sit there and we'd be nudged them. We'd got to know them a bit. And they'd sit there and the first day, they always had the hardest time because those makeup artists would just literally say, oh, red lips in the season, whatever that woman looked like, boom, 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 next. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have this moment where they'd have done all the makeup. We're like an hour for the catwalk show. And I'll just go, you've got to learn something here. So we do that, that and that. And then the next day I'll sit down with the teams and I'd say, look, you've got to think of these women Mm -hmm. by their skin, hair and eye combinations. You've got to think of that face. You can't just presume a look on somebody because it won't suit them, you know, and that and that has always been a guiding principle. It's like with, mm. with clothing, mm. you, you know, wear what's in fashion, but if it doesn't suit you, don't wear it. If it suits you and you get in the right color, fantastic. And it's in fashion. Great. Mm-hmm. But you will be noticed and feel good about yourself if you follow that basic principle. And I think it's in every principle. Um, so for me, when I when I then came back from all the, those travels, I had all those women's thoughts in my head and Mm. and a lot of them would be every age from like 25 to 80 but they might just say you know girl going into her first job i've worn the same makeup such a long time i don't know what my look is anymore you know because she felt old in her years whereas i'd look at her as a 40 year old woman and think you're 23 you're like Mm -hmm. you know but she'd say i've done this since 16 and what should i be doing now how should i present myself as a woman you know and Mm -hmm. and those times occur in our lives as women they occur definitely when we leave uni and we go to school to our first job they occur when we're kind of going to leave a corporate world and become a mum and Mm -hmm. suddenly be in a different environment of women that we're not used to Mm. we're going to be there if we're a mum who's she has her kids early and then she goes back to a corporate world that she wasn't in since she was 25 and she's 38 and everyone else is 25 Mm -hmm. or 30 and like how does she feel good about herself? menopause being left by a man I mean Mm -hmm. these all have a huge effect on us Mm -hmm. um and So it's giving women the tools that they can feel present. Present is the most important thing. You're present and you're noticed. Present
2: and noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
0: Because it's sort of emotional and physical.
2: It is emotional. And I've always come from the the viewpoint that that makeup, cosmetics, is not about the decoration. Mm -hmm. It's about... Trini listeners has very kindly commented that I have lovely skin, but as a teenager, and you will know this if you were a regular listener, I had terrible acne. Mm. And so I and I started getting terrible acne from the age of about twelve because it was hormone related. Mm-hmm. And I just threw myself headfirst into my mother's beauty bag and would just slather on foundation. But I'm mixed race and my mother is not, so I basically wore like zero one ivory
0: <laughs> over vivid red acne.
2: <coughs> but it made me feel confident yeah. because at least
0: the redness was was diminished I had the same I mean I had uh, cystic acne from 13 to 30 so I know exactly how you feel Mm. and I I remember my solution was a tremendous amount of number 7 mousse fake tan (laughs) (laughs) just like a pizza shop on my face but I know that feeling and I know how much it affects one's self-confidence anyone who has something where they feel that somebody's talking to a part of your skin and not your eyes yes Uh, or deciding which restaurants you go to on a date because you don't want the overhead lighting to be really shocking for your protruding spots Mm. Mm. going to bed in your makeup you know, because you don't want anyone to see anything all of those things Mm.
2: and I remember I was very lucky I was put on the pill in the sense that my acne just sort of almost disappeared overnight Mm. and then when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and there was like a potential HRT link I panicked, stopped taking the pill and my skin flared up and I remember Mm. doing QVC and I was in the Mm. green room and I wanted to, um, my face was really itching and it was all bubbly, like under the skin. Yeah. I, was, I was like, don't use your hands. So I started doing this, like, <laughs> nudging my face with my shoulder to just try and gently and I, ease. And again, I, I had never felt anything like it for, for so many years mm. of, I feel self-conscious and it made me realize how, I hate blessed because hashtag blessed does drive me a bit crazy, but I hadn't realized how much of an impact it has. Mm. So that was the basis of the stacks to deliver confidence in a stack. To live confidence stack
0: and deliver. Because I think I... Even I and you, who has a great knowledge of beauty, I'll go up to Bobby Brown and I'll see 300 foundations. Mm-hmm. Which one? I'll go up to NYX and see 800 lipsticks. Mm-hmm. Which one? I'll go up to Estée Lauder and think, is this round too old for me? Have I turned into my mum? You know, there's, there's things we associate. I'll go up to a counter in Peach Jones and somebody were suggest to me a makeup color and I'll go outside and it will be orange mm-hmm. you know so the, all those things mean that we know retail is changing anyway but we always felt we had to go somewhere to get makeup mm-hmm. and so I was originally thinking Will I sell this online would I where would I how would I sell it But I thought if I could help a woman decide what suits her. So Mm. one thing is to deliver makeup in these little pots, which are here. And Mm. they, you know, you have one little pot and they snap into the other (laughs) pot. And they sort of, you know, they're just delicate gorgeousness things Mm. and you snap together. So
2: also when you've got six, which is kind of an ideal number to have, they make an excellent microphone for
0: doing Insta story karaoke with Caroline Hirons. Oh, my God. Yes, I can feel it now. (laughs) sorry, I've got such a bad voice. My, My boyfriend always says it's terrible. But um, So I think the idea was I want to create this thing that I had in Muji pots with tape together, mushed mm-hmm. together with, with formulas, yeah. which is how the concept started. Um, so it took me eight, um, eight uh, prototypes to get to this, or in fact, 11. We are at 11. Um, to get the perfect snap, to make it airtight, to mm-hmm. make it premium, all those things. And then to work on the formulas took about two years. And then once we work on the formulas, it was about testing on women and thinking, can we take that skin, hair and eye idea? And actually make it into a piece of software, not like you take a photo of yourself and it will put makeup on you. Because that, to me, is a game. It's gamification of makeup, and I wanted a sort of emotional solution.
2: So, Sorry, I just uh, had a moment there. The gamification of makeup. Yeah. That wasn't
0: such a long hashtag. <laughs> I would trademark that. <laughs> but I think um, that's where some of makeup is heading in many areas. In in you know when I look at social media, it's um, it's going so far away from what I believe is really fundamentally great for a woman and mm. I know that people go through phases where they want to totally cover up because you and I have both been there and it's their mask to be able to face the world but I see so many girls and I think you have such great skin why have you got three inches of makeup on?
2: Well I call you it know. the homogenisation of young girls because they right. all are putting exactly yeah. the same angles on their faces That's so true The, met- yes, the metallic it highlights Yes, good at that,
0: yeah yeah, uh, of girls. Yeah. I
2: feel like I want to do, <laughs> you want to do a big feature on it where you've just got loads of mannequins of different colour skin with the same, exactly same, the same yes, face and contour. That would be because, very,
0: very effective visually. It would be very effective.
2: Mm, too. But um, because I do, it, I had this conversation earlier today actually. But when I was younger, the way that you would be in your tribe at school would be by you'd have the same shoes or you'd carry the same school bag. Yep. it was those wicker things that you could get from Oxfam. But now it's The tribes are by, I mean, fashion, obviously, but it's by this kind of, these matte lipsticks and...
0: Yeah, it's the Kylie generation, it's the flick of the eye, it's looks that make you feel you've got to a stage of being acceptable within a tribe. Mm. But it's also, I mean, I think, so if I look at the establishment of, like, Charlotte Tilbury, I think, how fantastic, because she totally changed the makeup industry. She made people say... (laughs) All of you big giants, wake up. Mm-hmm. New things must happen. And so coming on the back of, you know, a brand like that, my, my, I come from a very different place. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's an experienced makeup artist who's worked with hundreds of models and actresses who are phenomenally famous and beautiful. And I come from a place of doing makeovers on, on unknown women <laughs> around the world who um, are all in all different walks of life and all different ages and so the um the premise for me has been make everyone feel the best you can be from a place of those women Mm -hmm. and and other brands do it from different places so I don't do it from a professional makeup artist point of view and although I work with I work very closely with um Charlotte who our Charlotte who um works for 20 years with Susanna and I doing makeup and and helping with those teams of makeup artists so She's been fantastic on colours, and she's mm. got an eye, an amazing eye, because we'll get back samples, and I'll go, I think it's okay. And she goes, I think it still has a tiny bit too much terracotta. And, and she has such a perfectionist eye, which I love. Mm. Um, and f- together, it's, it's looking at which women suit what products. So when we then decided we were just going to do online, how could we create something where you go in and say, this is my skin, this is my hair, this is my eye colour. And we say, this is what you suit. Mm. So instead of saying there's, you know, our range has 60 products – and we're going to say 22 really suit you. You can buy anything you want from mm-hmm. our age, but if you want to what sits well on your skin, then there's a solution for you and you can buy it in a stack.
2: And we'll obviously, I'll obviously be putting the link to Trini London on the show notes on itunesandemaguns.com, but I have done this process myself and it is so easy. You answer a couple of questions and they're not questions that you would need any help with. No. <laughs> the answers, so what colour are your eyes, what colour is your hair, what colour is your skin? And... It is remarkable how quickly it comes up mm. and how many options you have and what yeah. you can play around with in all of that. Yeah. And it is really clever because I think whenever I speak to real women now, mm-hmm. the, their thing is I'm confused or, or I don't really know. How many women have you spoken to who say they don't particularly enjoy going up to a beauty counter because they don't want to be sold something? Mm. They want to make a decision for themselves but they
0: don't know what the answer yeah, is. There's too many to mention. I mean, it's the biggest... It's the biggest issue, I think. Of, I, th- what's very interesting to me in this market is how many women don't change their makeup, mm. and they don't change their makeup because they find something that worked for them. And sometimes you can take it back to when they felt most attractive. Mm. You know, so that moment when they blossomed and they got their confidence, they found a makeup look, and then ten, five, ten, fifteen years later, they're wearing that makeup look. But their face has changed, their life has changed, mm. their hair changed everything's changed. Um, but they'll stick to it because it get that they're sticking to that feeling of confidence. Yes. But they will catch sight of themselves and think, oh. and there will be that, <laughs> and I can see it. I'll see it immediately on a woman's face, thinking, "Time to time to relook, time to revisit." Mm. um And you know, little little physical things happen, like our cheekbones go down, and you know, our our eyes sag, and you know, things happen, and our skin loses a bit of elasticity. So how do we get it back up? when we can do all the things on the market, you know. I, talked about how i've had botox since 35 so i believe in doing things for my skin that are not Mm -hmm. just to do products but um but it's the first thing you can do to change your face Mm. you know and um so I just, I think I wanted something so simple and uncomplicated mm. and beautiful because mm. the stack to me is beautiful and I love beautiful things and I love the idea that I don't have to take you know that walloping makeup bag and think yes. what do I take out of this today to go to work and what do I take out of this at work to go mm-hmm. out in the evening you know yeah. it's always decanting or compromising and I just thought I never want to compromise I want to be going from anywhere With any size bag, doing anything, and always have everything I need with me. So
2: And I have a walloping great big well, it's not that big, it's a but it's but it is quite sturdy. Mm. Cumbersome is exactly the right word. And the stack isn't at all. You can apply so let's go through the premise of you can apply all the formulas with your fingers. yeah Um the pots, although they might look
0: quite small, actually all of the formulas. A little goes a very long yeah. way. The pigment is really dense. So when we were making it, so like the film, I'm going to just do it now because I haven't done my makeup. Done. I've got to go out later. <laughs> so I'm literally going to do it, do it as we're on the radio. Um on the podcast. <laughs> But I've got my BFFF I'm rubbing in now. And this is, I wear, oddly right now today, I'm wearing light and medium together. Mm-hmm. And generally that's something that would irritate me. But my skin is going through to get its winter Face and it's winter face, I'll then be in light, but there's still a tiny bit harking on to that moment I wore a low SPF in the summer, um, <laughs> and that would just awaken up my face. And I, it was our decision to make it all cream based because I want to be able to pile it on mm-hmm. and for it not to sit on my face and to be able to then put something on later in the day. So, foundation, which we call um, just a touch. Now, Just a Touch is a foundation and concealer. And concealer. But the point of it, to me, is... I, li- I mean, I'm literally going and showing you mm-hmm. a finger thing. And that will be my whole face. So this will last me six to nine months. And I just blend it in and blend it in. And you, as I watched your video with Queen Nadine... Yes. You just do the central panel. I just do the central panel and I try and leave... If I'm really tired, I'll do more under my eyes. And I, what I generally do is put a B, bit of BFF, more BFF under my eye because it's got quite a lot of um now does bff
2: come in a pot or is BFF it comes in a tube, tube
0: with a little pot which you decanted into so because i time. want you not to have to carry an extra tube around so we always have a pot and as we're developing the brand other things will come with little baby pots that they can sit into <laughs> baby <laughs> stacks baby stacks baby <laughs> stacks and then we have a highlighter called the right light we'll bring a second color out actually and this i've never been good at highlighter but this, I just want to go on the top of my cheekbone.
2: So is that a universal highlighter? This then? is
0: a universal highlighter, but we are actually bringing out a more rosy shade that will go for, that will be incredible. This will go every skin tone, mm. but we'll bring out one that for caramel to a really dark brown skin is also very beautiful mm. because our whole range goes to every skin tone. But on the highlighter, we our second colour was stuck in um, pigment production hell. So um, <laughs> that's coming out of that. And then... Uh, cheekbones is something I never did before because I was never a contourer but I want something that was a shadow so it's a really yes. weird colour it's, it's it's like a taupey gray. sludgy grey you look <laughs> yeah. at it and you think really um, and you take Exactly Tightly. my face when yeah. I opened it. I was like <laughs> Really? So you take to, I mean it looks like it looks like mud that's dried, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound attractive? Like a clay mask. A clay mask. It <laughs> looks like a clay mask. mask. But for me I go and I start at my um, hairline and I just draw it back in and I just want to create a shadow.
2: This she's my doing cheekbone. all of this. Sorry to call you she, or yeah, yeah. Trini is doing all of this without a mirror. No, she's, Trini is going on instinct and just using her middle finger to feel her cheekbone
0: and draw that line and it's perfect you know who I was taught that by was um I think I put the right light on twice hang on have I done that no it's fine um I was taught that by Trish McVoy Ooh. and years ago I met Trish and she had just I don't know why I'm saying this I think she'll be fine with it her husband's a plastic surgeon so she's staying at the Barclay Hotel in London and I was a beauty journalist oh, one doing that for hotels in
2: London.
0: and she um I so, said, here and I'd been writing the Telegraph and, and, um, and had written some nice things about her because at the time she brought out that Filofax thing, mm-hmm. and it was a really convenient thing. And I think she's fab. Um, so I walk in and she goes, Hi darling, I had a face of two days ago. I'm a bit puffy, but isn't it looking good? <laughs> I had never met her before in my life. So typical American confident fabulous woman. (laughs) So I go, hi Trish, quite in awe actually, and she says, "Okay, sit down, honey. I'm going to teach you how to do your makeup without a mirror." (gasps) And I was like, "Ah!" You know, I had all those. I had a bit of the pizza face at the time. So she (laughs) made me spend about 20 minutes, really just feeling, you know, how deep is my eye socket, how much is my brow bone going over my eyelid. you know, how high is my cheekbone? How much does it go in? And I, the, the reason in a way, there's many reasons I don't do brushes. One is because screen base, I think, is more flattering. Mm-hmm. But the other is because brushes get filthy and we might clean them often, but then they end, how often do they end up? At, the, at the bottom of your handbag with with the coins, you know? Oh, okay. money and hygiene for <laughs> me yes, is a big no-no. No. So I think a finger's going to be cleaner because I, I think more about where my fingers be than many other things mm-hmm. in my handbag. Um, but also, I wanted to be able to just be able to put on this colour and not have the brush stop you having a connection with your face. Because I think brushes, you know, tons of women who, like, now use my golden glow, would get the brush, br- br- the bronze brush, and go, shh, alright? Mm-hmm. And when you said, not the mortification of those teenagers, homogenization, but... Homogenization. Yeah. But... There's a homogenization in that process, too, that you flatten your face because all you do is you put a a one colour over the whole face and you do it because you want to... Because the idea of a tan face makes you feel energetic. Mm. And I think it's that emotional connection with a physical um, uh, action. And if we really looked at it, we'd sort of see... But where is the beauty of that face gone? It's it's slightly faded because it's just all covered in fake tan. So by you know, not using a brush to not know your face. I think if you feel your face, you could then do your makeup without a mirror. I'd like every woman to get to stage where they can do their makeup without a mirror and feel their face. This is an Instagram Live for Emma know, Guns. And I really, want just to have that freedom. Because, and then to, it's about trust. Mm. It's like, we need to trust we look good. It's It has a correlation in a really warped way with... The times when you might think of the three outfits on a Sunday morning you might wear during the week or something, you might actually try them on, think they look great, take a picture, whatever. And then that's Tuesday you're going out to the big event and you put it on you think, what was I thinking? It looks shit. I mm-hmm. put on five pounds at least. Of course you haven't. You might be a tiny bit bloated from eating ice cream or having a drink, mm-hmm. but generally you're the same, but your feeling about yourself has changed. Mm-hmm. And so it's about having the confidence to trust you look good or trust that's working for you and the more we can kind of, you know, that touching your face is nurturing yourself. Mm. There's an element to that too. Oh, totally with the whole self-care thing.
2: Listeners, I have to flag this up. Yeah. Right. These are the four, uh, did you put five products on? Yeah. You put your BFFF cream on. Yeah. um, I put just a
0: touch foundation. Just a touch.
2: Then you put a tiny bit of lipstick on. Yeah. And you did your cheekbones. And each of it was just on Trini's middle finger. Yeah. So a very small amount. Yeah. You're now popping I'm it on your cheeks. I'm putting
0: the lip glow on my cheeks because a lip glow is not sticky in our world. And so you can put it anywhere.
2: But the transformation is, and maybe this sounds like a, it's pretty. It's just instantly prettifying. Yeah, it's in, it's yeah. enhanced. Yeah. It's, your skin is glowing. Yeah. It was glowing before, by the way, without makeup on. But it's just, I would have said if you came down like that, that you had spent 20 minutes. Thank you. Using a brush to put on yeah. foundation and yeah. doing... But it just looks incredibly natural. And I've seen it with
0: my own eyes You see eyes it. With eyes. <laughs> you see, I think it's... it's um, sometimes we, make, we feel things more complex than they are, than they are you know. And, yes. And I can look at those kind of eye makeup tutorials. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to show you Because it's... For me, I've never been able to do, oh, smoking eye, Jesus Christ, and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, I thought to myself when we were doing eyes, you know, how do we do a really nice I'm just getting up because I wanted to just, and I might this is now when I balls it up totally by but, the way listeners we're in Trini's, um
2: office. office and it is best product everywhere right, it's amazing right.
0: so if I'm now let me see what I can do and I've got to even see if I've got it here chariot I wanted to show you chariot can you see chariot no, I can't see chariot can you see chariot yes, sir. Yes, there sir. she is so chariot is, so I have on so I'm going to put on yeah so putting on I with your finger Without, without a mirror? Without a mirror. So I'm going to put lady. on my day colour, and this is called Wisdom. So I just go inside with my ring finger, and I just put it underneath my brow bone. So I'm really trusting that I can feel under crease. my brow bone. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, to, to find her crease as well. To find my crease, exactly. So that would just be my day look. Flickin', but yeah. it's not that difficult. I mean, I'm I've have looking in the mirror so I can see. But a dark colour... And any of these you can actually use, uh, we don't stop using a brush, but you could use an eyeliner Mm -hmm. brush, you know. And so you take that, and then I'm just going to start putting it on my eyelid because then I can, I know I trust the density of pigment to go on a place where I at least make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of just feel inside my socket and just go behind the eyeball in that back of the socket and build up the colour. And then I might take a clean finger and just blend it out.
2: This is extraordinary. You know? So by using the ring finger and finding that also what you're doing is you're slightly enlarging the eye because you're going ever so slightly beyond the I'm going beyond
0: the um the back the of the eye. Yeah. yeah. And I think that um for me I wanted eye shades where you could use one, and it nearly looks like two. I mean, I put wisdom on first, and then chariot. But chariot has a colour, which is a really good colour for you, by the way. Oh. Is this if this oxidised gold oh. with a bit of sludgy green, and it just it becomes different colours in the light? And That's I l- nice. I like colours that do that.
2: Um, how did you come up with the names? By the way, I, one of my dreams is to make my living entirely from, from naming names. beauty products.
0: It was it was a mixture. So there were. Um, I started off with friends of my, mine. All right, uh, people who had been influential in my life in some way. So either they had, you know, I have one. I have three girlfriends who were in a position to fund the business to an extent, and they each put some money in on a on a tax scheme, an SEI scheme. And so I named them after those women. Mm-hmm. I named them after people in my life who I mean are just a good friends. And then my daughter, because. It was really important that she felt a, a part of the business because mm-hmm. she was feeling like a sort of war widow from not seeing her mum so much. So I said, "You can name the lip glosses." You know? <gasps> so, so the lip Dream. glows are her Lila, mm-hmm. and then she has, thank God, two friends called Thea, once pronounced Thea, and then Maddie and um, and uh, Talis. And so she's got more friends than that, so she obviously wants me to make more lip glows. <laughs> um, and then Charlotte, who's our makeup artist, um, loves tarot. And she said, I think we should call the eye shades under uh, uh, after tarot cards. And I kind of like that idea. I went through a phase where I might have looked at tarot cards once, but they're, they're wonderful. And, and so she really looked closely at the colours and thought, you know, fortune, we want it to be this sort of burnished gold, coppery colour, and chariot is exactly that. It's like, imagine a golden mm. chariot that's been oxidised. And you found it hundreds of years later. It's that kind of color. Empress is this rich, lovely brown. Universe is this kind of black garnet uh, color. You know, mm. so so, and then we've got strength and lovers and wisdom and justice.
2: had not even made the connection, yeah. but of course. So
0: so, they're all named after that. And I said, well, Charlotte, we can't. R- I hope there's lots of tarot cards because we don't want to run out. <laughs> so she said, no, I'll, I'll find lots. I'll find lots. Don't worry. So so, it's um, and then our foundation colors because. There's two reasons I didn't call them beige one and and biscuit and uh, (laughs) almond. Because I think I don't want nuts on my face. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want uh, produce on my face at all. And I don't want people to think, well, if I'm beige in that range, I'll be beige in this range. Because Mm -hmm. that's what many people do. And then they just, if they're ever buying online, especially, they'll think, well, beige must mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I'm going to just name them after people. So they are, they Bambi, Lily, Clara, Amelia. How many foundation shades are there? There's 14. Mm. And they're very stretchy and they don't go in order. So they don't go lightest to darkest. They go light, slightly pinkier, then slightly yellower, then a bit darker. And they, they kind of have this journey. Mm. So when you do Match to Me on the site, it's really important you, you watch videos because we had all the women who are, you see on the site are our Facebook and Instagram followers. None of them are people who are professional models. And so it was important they would discuss their skin and say, you know, I'm, yes, actually yes, this guy, Um, uh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, amber, you know, I usually take the palest range in a foundation shade, my skin burns in the sun after 10 minutes, blah, blah. And then somebody saying, yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. So it was more than just a color chart or saying, the classic one for me is, hey, check if you have green or blue veins. (laughs) Now tell me, in all honesty, how the fuck do you know if a vein is green or blue? Tell
2: me. Tell yeah. me. Tell yeah. me tell no, me I can't me. give you an answer, Trini. I, f- I feel threatened. I
0: don't know. No. Um It's tricky. Bain-y. Yeah. It's veiny. <laughs> so I think finding out what colour suits you is quite easy because I agree, you listen Trini. to the videos and, and hopefully you'll know um, your colour. And if you have any problems, we actually we have a customer desk and we do we have this thing called Zen Desk. So it's a really important thing when you're a new business um, to really 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 listen to your customer mm. and there was a wonderful man who wrote a book about customer care who had a shoe business called zespin or something i can't remember the name i'm going to say, say it wrong but a very I successful online it. shoe business and he wrote this book and it was mainly about customer care and and so we so all the messages on customer care are me like mm-hmm. hello please hold on <laughs> one of us is sleeping or taking a poo but we'll be with you <laughs> um and um the den, the den desk is always manned by one or two people in the office and so it will ring on the computer so if I'm there I'll just go hi you know so we any of us could answer and um and we must have probably about um two or three hundred a day some people just saying I love the products I'm so excited and other people saying where's my package (laughs) Um, but we're generally I'm really happy with Mm. where our customer service is and when you're growing a small business because in today's world when you're on social media people if they don't get through to you straight away, we'll go on social media and say, Oh, this was mm-hmm. shit. And um and we've had we haven't had any of that because mm-hmm. I, I hope we're dealing with them um as quickly you know, dealing with every um everything that comes out.
2: Well as you say small business. I um have worked in the beauty industry as a journalist for a long time and now as a freelancer of coming up for five and a half years, I am so in awe of anybody who tries to start a business in this industry because Mm. it ain't easy Mm. and I really wanted to unpick that with you Mm -hmm. you had great experience obviously Mm. but to make that decision to say okay I know you're doing it online so it's not like you're looking for retail space but to make that decision to essentially compete how how many times did you have to go back and forth before you actually said no I'm doing this This is I'm going to produce makeup and skincare? I think that
0: from the age of 25 I I never worked for a big company so I was always working for myself whether that was working as a TV presenter or writing books or I'd never worked for a big corporate so I never had to make that decision let me work, leave a big career or big mm-hmm. corporate environment and, and go and, and be an entrepreneur um, but working in that world of, and you will know this being a journalist too, you kind of have annual contracts. So you never know next year what your contracts mm-hmm. um, take place. And, you know, probably my career went in 10 year cycles. So I did do an online business in 1999. And I had to close it in 2001 because it didn't work out. And we went for a second round and there was no funding and there was a crash. And it was just, it was way too early as a business mm. for for the traction in the market was there. It was an online kind of far fetched concept and it was just there wasn't enough customers online. Um, but the idea was there and and I knew even though I had to close it and I had to, you know, pay off sixty girls who were all committed to this business and we'd grown this business and it was Susanna was off having a baby and, and I remember that kind of Sadness that something mm. that I'd really wanted, and I but I'd been such a workaholic in it. I, mean, I would be at my desk at 6 30 in the morning, and I'll be calling Suzanne saying, Where are you? and she'll go, I'm breastfeeding the baby, <laughs> you know, it just was I because I, I wasn't a mother and I, I lived and breathed my work then. Um, and so then we went and we closed the business, and I went off for a week to this kind of spiritual retreat in America. And it was a really good thing that I did it because I think I had felt so sad that I had not had this thing succeed. But I got in touch a little bit with just living in the moment, that Mm. feeling of living in the moment. And I got back and about a month later, the BBC rang and said, will you do a TV show? We'd done a pilot about six months before, which I hadn't thought anything of. So then I had 10 years of television career. And then at the end of that 10 years... There was that feeling again of, of the cycle has gone past and, you know, TV is not Flavor of the Month for us to be in it anymore. And that's when I thought, this is when I got to take the plunge. And I'd had the idea, you know, I'd gone around, I'd, I'd gone to see Leonard Lauder five years ago. And he was a friend of a friend of mine. And I went around to have a coffee with him. And I had this kind of Muji pot thing. I squidged together the formulas. I'd written in, in typeface the name <laughs> of each thing on the top. And I sort of put it down there. And I went, Leonard, this is what I want to do. And he said, Trini, I think the idea is phenomenal. And when it's worth 200 million, I'll buy it off you. Okay. So I said, I'm going to hold you to that.
1: Mm-hmm. So then when I
0: launched, I sent him an email. And I said, I launched. <laughs> You won't rename me from a from a scrap of an apple in a in an orchard but um, he gives brilliant advice as well I've heard yeah I think he's he's a fantastic man um so having the idea is the easiest part actually in anything like that because you then have to think how do I execute it Mm. because I think many women will carry an idea in their head of something they would like to do which Mm. is beyond the scope of what they're currently doing And they might preserve it there intact as a beautiful dream because if you start to unwrap the dream and try and make it happen, there's an opportunity of failure. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you preserve it and never do anything about it, you can always talk about it and you never have to destroy the dream. Yeah, because if somebody says to you, oh, that's a brilliant
2: idea, that in itself is enough to just make you feel great. You know, just (laughs) think with a
0: brilliant idea and not do it, but lots of people tell me it's a brilliant idea. Get off your fucking ass and do it. (laughs) Do it. Do it! Just, what is the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is it wasn't such a good idea, you know? And let me ask you that uh, when you talked
2: about the original idea in, that closed in 2001 yeah. and having to take that time out, or not necessarily having to, but taking but that take time that out, out, out. Yeah. would Twinny London exist if you hadn't had, we'll
0: call it a failure, just for the purposes... I've had other failures in my life, so mm. I think that um, definitely things I learned from it. Mm. And... If that hadn't been a failure, it could be the far fetched today, but it would still would have been too early. So I think it, I didn't know if it had a chance of success. Um, if we managed to get reinvested, would it have done maybe? I don't know. But I, I think, never like to look back mm. in that regard. But I think that building the team now, it's made me aware of a few things. We we raised six hundred thousand, then we raised seven million. Very quickly soon afterwards, I'd raised seven million in three months. It took me two and a half years to raise the two and a half million that I raised for this business so it was a very different time then people fell over themselves to give you investment Mm. so we spent the money quickly we spent seven million in two years our burn rate was high we hired people aggressively we hired some people who we hired in a you know head of marketing who had been in a job before and they used our our startup mentality to cruise right okay so you got to then you know what I think I learned most from that experience is You've got to spend your money incredibly carefully. You need to grow aggressively, but you really need to think, can I afford to make that middle ranking higher? Do I try and nurture younger people, try to guide them where they might have not have knowledge, try and help them to encourage and, and flourish that knowledge, which I sometimes find tricky because I'm a control freak and all. I'll just say, do it this way, when mm-hmm. I just see what I want the vision to be as opposed to letting them be encouraged to find their way. So I'm learning that now. Mm. But, you know, we're here, there's 12 of us in this tiny little house, and um, and it will save us money before our next round. And we have a younger team, so our overhead is not this huge chance. So there isn't that, oh, my God, we'll run out of money before mm. we've even proved the concept, you know. Mm. Um, so those are very important things to learn. I think that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, As the sense of,
2: I, I, like, you have beaten myself up very badly when something hasn't gone how I wanted it to. Yeah. And now I say, if it hadn't been for that and sort of feeling crap afterwards, yeah. I would never have developed that muscle and that tenacity to go after uh, yes. this,
0: Yes, essentially. I think, I think you, le- you, you know, we learn from everything. Um, yes, and it can also, to an extent, put you off because, you know, I found the fundraising part of it very challenging because I, I met my CEO about a year and a half into my idea mm. and I'd been through two people who'd given me advice before then but who were just literally I was paying a consultancy to and it was very different to work with somebody who really believed in the business and came from an incredibly secure financial knowledge background because they'd been CFO and to bring that experience and together to be a team to go and fundraise. Mm. Um, and. And that helped. And, and there are still, you know, we'd sit, even though Mark is a man, we'd sit, you know, in a boardroom of, of men. And they'd just say, I get the personalization. I sort of get the product. But can they be two businesses? And I was like, no, but that's, you know, it's the USP is that combination. Mm. And then I'll go to other deep tech investors and they'll go, we never deal in product unless it's, you know, you can talk about when you say somebody's had a product on a site, it doesn't mean... It means just what appears. Mm-hmm. So, but they said we, physical product we don't deal with. I can't get my head around that. Why aren't you selling it in a store? Slightly like that because they wanted software and and uh, data technology businesses or deep tech. So, it was the the challenge was to find somebody who could get their head around both those concepts. And then we found somebody in um, at Unilever Ventures, and the uh, one of the directors there, Anna, got it. Mm-hmm. And in the meeting, I felt. She's got it. She, she gets the concept, and, mm. and, you know, you leave all those meetings excited. And some of them you leave thinking, I'll never call. And she <laughs> called and she said, let's meet again. And I want to present it now to some other people. And, and, you know, we had quite a few meetings of, you know, could we meet their expectations? But once then they had committed and they invested a million, then we could then go out and talk to other people we've been talking to and, and have, um, you know, a really respected VCB in there um, and then talk to other and then get to the two and a half million. But that, mm. was a, that was a journey.
2: Would you describe yourself as an entrepreneur?
0: Yes, 100%. And what does, uh, what's the definition for you? Working for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Not working for another business. Um, and having a self-motivation beyond anything. Because you've got to be with one other person in the room, which Federica and I was the first person who worked for me. You know, had two years of her and I in the room. Mm. And you've got to act like an entrepreneur when you're, there's literally two of you. And Federica, who started as my assistant, is now head of operations, you know, and has grown and has, has so flourished in the business. And that gives me tremendous joy
2: mm. because she
0: really, you know, I was so lucky to have her. And then, you know, you get people who come in and you think they're fantastic while other people think they need naturally, or other people think they have a lack of experience. Mm. And it's interesting because you never know when you hire somebody if a lack of experience is going to be detrimental or not. Because, you know, we have a woman now we just got in who um, was in a totally different business. But she had a... Um, uh, um, old people's home, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And she decided to finish it. And anyway, she's doing customer care. But she's smart. Mum. Mm-hmm. Understands complaints and customer care and you know, daily basis. So it's totally different industry, mm. but gets it. So even though the technology is very modern for her, she's at one with the Zendesk. She's there. She, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, she's you know, at one when, with when the Zendesk. I thinking of, of getting her, and I was, and, and, and we, you know, what was the most important thing is she was smart, you know, mm. and, she, and she had a wonderful, she had a great personality. So, so it's really interesting how you make your hires. Mm. but it's difficult making a decision because you make a decision and then invest in somebody and then and then it doesn't work out and then you think you know we can't afford anyone who can't really pull their weight right because we're so small and there's so many jobs which are attributed to one person that are beyond their main Mm. ream of of maybe what they could be in another business because in that startup you do that you kind of you know People have to wear more than one hat, mm. whatever you're doing. The be adaptable, from. be
2: agile, yeah. all of those things. Yeah. So entrepreneur, the brand, social media star as well. Well, it's kind of...
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I, does it take over your entire life and when do you stop? I, yeah, that, that's very true. It's, um, I usually, every day I post something mm-hmm. and since we launched in London we post you know twice on Training London and once on um, Instagram and then I do stories and I do Facebook so there's a lot of kind of channels and I have to so what I do now is I'll go to Zara on a Saturday and I'll do stories there because I always just make it in my routine and then I will um sometimes get the security guard if i'm on my own to film me trying something <laughs> on he's he's a, he's eastern european and he knows me and i go hello trini like and i go can you film me um, and he's so sweet in the king's road branch he's the sweetest man in the world oh favorite um, favourite bizarre so i'll do those and i might film three and then mm-hmm. put them out during the week and then i'll think i must go to another store because it's people say you can't just go to zara and then i'll do other stores but you know the other day Yesterday. I was thinking I need to do some stories because I got a lot of meetings. So I was going to do three or four and then post them during the week. So I thought, some people said, please go and look in Bowdoin. So I looked in Bowdoin mm-hmm. and I thought, picked up something, thinking that's not bad. Um, maybe it should be, you know, you have your, an idea in your mind of what it should cost. So I uh, said so 60 quid. 120. Mm-hmm. Velvet trousers, and I, because I really wanted to go in and love some things, and when I looked at it, the collection was very pleasant. There were nice things, and you know, I used to buy Bowden for my kid, for, for Lila a lot, um, a little bit more classic, a little bit unscary in, in fashion terms. And then I went into L.K. Bennett next door, and I thought, God, that's expensive. <laughs> and that, so I sort of went down that bit of the high street, which is what I call mid-range high street, mm. and then. I rush to fucking Zara because I could find the same thing of the same quality to me. If you don't go for basic and you go for main Zara,
2: mm.
0: more stylishly done. Maybe XL, that's where it kills them. XL is a 14.
2: Mm. Add a
0: push, you know, and they change their sizing and it pisses me off because now, you know, what used to be small is now an extra small. They just, uh, they just change the mm. names, the sizing, the the product. So... I always get. I know when I go in there, I'll find 10 things I love. Mm. And for me, I need to find 10 things I love, take 10 films. And then, you know, I'll spend two days a week in my bathroom. And usually I go on a Saturday and I go to Space NK and I go to Boots and I go to Whole Foods and I buy things. Mm -hmm. And probably 70% of what I put up, I buy. 30% I run out of and I've been trying something and I ask a PR to send it to me. Um, But for me, I know I would not be so... Um, ploddingly patient to test out a product if I got too many things Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's the that's the payoff you know of what it is but so because I'll test something for about a month before I talk about it and unless it's something which has an immediate effect so if it's a really good mask Mm -hmm. um, I will test it as soon as I've Tried it once because I'll know they only do it just that moment. So is it good or not? Mm. Um, and longer term creams, I will leave longer. So, so I make time every day, and I probably do do something every day. And with stories now, um, Chloe, who does a lot of things for me, and she does this twinning on Friday nights now. We kind of so we kind of develop things. So we think, okay, that's a theme. Mm. So so once Chloe was with me, and, and I said, let's try and do an outfit which suits us both. And Chloe is curvy, size sixteen on the top and a fourteen on the bottom. And and Big Boobs, gorgeous Italian girl. And so we did one and it was unbelievably popular and everyone was like, That's great because a lot of people had said to me, Oh, you're torn skinny and so can you not do a store apart i iron size fourteen, it doesn't fit me. And a part of it was a wanting to say to them, yes, but you just have to look differently in a store. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean it's excluding your size. You just have to look for the jacket that has a wonderful fluted sleeve, not the tight one. You have to look for a jacket that can give you the waist and give you the hourglass. You need to buy a jacket a size too small but not to other buttons, but let it give you a waist. You know, all the things I think you can do to clothing to make them work. So um so you kind of find themes you do and then And then that gives you your next content for the Mm. next few months. And I think that that's how it's grown. It's got to be organic. It's got to be what you're feeling is the, for want of a better word, zeitgeist Mm -hmm. of what's out there, you know. Um, And I never do, oh, the Chanel new lipstick came, let me review it. I'm not that type of um, Mm. reviewer. I just kind of do what works for me. So I'm not very good on oily skin, Mm -hmm. for example, because I don't have oily skin. Um, But that's just, yeah. Um, when discussing
2: your videos with several people, Mm. uh, one word came up a -hmm. couple of times and it was bonkers. Yes, I've
0: had that word, I've had that word
2: a bit. (laughs) Um, as much as you, we talked earlier about the dialogue that you've now got with your viewers and how it's informed Twinny London, uh, trolls, unhelpful comments, and I saw in the video with Nadine, I think you were talking about a woman who said something about your neck and you were like, so I
0: thought, do I go and troll her? Um, how do you care? I mean, I we've the main trolling I probably get is comments in the Daily Mail, because I'd have to say on my site, on Facebook, if ever there's a comment where somebody goes, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about, which I think maybe in two and a half years there's been 10 comments, hmm. then the community will talk to her. So hmm. I just leave it and I leave it up and they might just say, if you don't enjoy it here, go somewhere else. And I just yeah, think, exactly. let them. So that's great. On Instagram I get, once a month I'll get one comment of somebody saying, oh, that's, you know, just a bitchy, mean comment. Mm. And then they'll do the same again. You know, they'll just say, well, if you don't enjoy it here, go somewhere else. Mm. Um, and, you know, I did a mad rainbow outfit I loved two days ago and half the people said, Trini, that's just too much. <laughs> because on <laughs> one moment went, if you lived a normal life like us and worked in a nine-to-five job... Um, you would realise how pathetic you seem, or just something like that. Right? And I email, I, I text her back. I think I have sent it. I can't remember if I sent it. And I just said, I work a six am to nine pm job, and I wear clothes to make me feel great, and I buy from the high street, mm-hmm. and that whole outfit actually costs eighty quid. So fuck you. <laughs> not <really> <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was just that they're being, cons- you know, they're being constrained by their own uncomfortable feeling in themselves it's like when you're in a playground and somebody tells you some gossips it's because they feel shit about themselves they want to look better mm. by by saying a bit of gossip to make them feel inclusive or mm. they want to give a bad comment because they're doing that you know i'm pointing my finger and pointing four fingers back at me <laughs> but so a part of me really to just leave those alone because i ultimately somebody's only making themselves unhappy and i kind of i don't i don't give a shit mm. when seeing people say i'm bonkers i think Thanks, you really? know. Thanks, I do. Well, that's um. what I was going to say because I was because
2: it never comes across as though. I mean, I watched you on the back of one of those taxi bikes mm. with a flipping was it the Charlotte Tilbury yes. face mask yeah. on you, and I just thought it was hilarious yeah. because. It looked a bit ridiculous. But it was so practical. <laughs> it was practical. It served your purpose. But it just looked like... I know, I know it was scary for
0: some people if they caught me in the in the street.
2: But I don't get the sense that you think, oh, I'll do that because that'll get me more likes or followers
0: or views. No, I think you do no. it because you're like, I wonder if this is an efficient way to use the new tool. Well, well, it was actually really convenient because I knew I, <laughs> I woke up looking like shit. And, um, and then I had um, cleansed my face and I put on quite a strong acid peel I think and I thought oh my god <laughs> so I thought I'll put a mask on and then um, the bike said oh we're here at 8.15 because you've got to be on at 8.45 and I was like no I'm so I thought fuck it I'll keep it on because then I can you know get there and yeah. that will be perfect so I remember I got there and sometimes when you get to this morning there's journalists outside because they're waiting for some famous yeah, person yeah. who's coming on that day and I saw these 10 journalists I'm like oh my god I kind of peeled it off like this <laughs> as I got off the bike um, but I just thought I then thought at the end of that I should wear it every day because I won't then get the fumes of the city. Yeah. A barrier. Um,
2: a, yeah. The ultimate barrier cream.
0: Yeah. So ish. I don't think, um, I don't think anything is for planned. Mm. You
2: know. And you're very high energy. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't imagine you having a pizza and Netflix night. Although I'm sure you do like relax in your own every way. Every night.
0: Oh, do you? Every night. Not pizza. I'll do that when <laughs> Lila's home. So that's about once a week but generally it will be telly supper with, um, with box sets because oh. my energy is all in the day. And this is uh. my poor partner. Cause he'll say, you give your whole energy the day and I get this, I get this damn squid. <laughs> but, um, but I, I only like to go out probably once a week. Okay. Yeah, I really do. And I kind of, I feel incredibly unshy when I'm, in my bathroom chatting to the ladies. But if I go to a big drinks party, there's nothing worse to me. I'd rather go and spend 10 minutes in the loo and go out later because I just feel that that thing of having to find people in the room you know and chat to them and, and it's such a superficial conversation and I'd rather be having dinner with eight mates or yep. at home watching a movie.
2: I can't do, I cannot do big parties now. Yeah. I find the, how are you? Yeah. Not that I'm disinterested in how people it's, are, but it, it's so it surface. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, so, 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 dinner so, so, out. Um, I would class you as one of uh the people who've been on this podcast. who's very successful
0: mm-hmm. okay,
2: and often people who are um particularly motivated in this way and mm-hmm. like you say you have to to start up a business is not an easy feat you can't it doesn't happen you have to make it happen, mm-hmm. and there will always be a time when it feels like pushing a very big boulder up a very steep hill. Mm-hmm. Do you have any either a morning routine or do you have anything? that you know you do aside from this that really helps maximize
0: when I remember I have a relationship with meditation I wouldn't say it's a daily relationship but is it complicated um, no it's not complicated (laughs) at all I have a very nice man called Sanjay who used to work in the city and then gave it up and became you know kind of meditation yoga person and a friend of mine who um Said, you know, you should just speak to this guy. So he came to my house, and I chatted to him about. I think I was at the beginning of my investment stuff, and I was kind of quite stressed by it. So he just then said, "Okay, let's." So I told him everything, and like not like a therapist, just chatting, Mm. but, but knowing it was a thoughtful person sitting opposite me. And then I sat down, and we recorded it. And he just said, "Okay, yeah, I want you to, you know, sit there and just feel." You know, feel your feet really um, st- stuck to the ground and, and just feel that there. And sometimes he'll talk about a tree sort of growing up my legs. But, but a lot of the time, we'll start off and we'll say, he said, you know, open your arms, uh, hands out, and feel, feel in your left hand this ball of energy and really feel that ball of energy. And it's going round and round and round. And then, you know, kind of we'll go on to maybe visualising things in the future. Um, or visualizing, visualizing my product being sold, or visualizing people being excited, and, and 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 it's ten minutes long. So when I was fundraising, I would listen to them, and sometimes I'd listen to them, you know, driving my mini at hundred miles an hour to get to the next meeting. <laughs> but I was listening. There was, a, you know, if you can do something five percent, do it rather mm. than not do it at all. So, so I have, I'll see him intermittently, once every few months, and just say, can we do a new one now? Mm. You know? And so I'll have something new to listen to. And that does help me. And I was saying this thing. There was a thing I went to a few days ago called Women on Women, a really good charity, and I was talking there. And I said something that I'd never said before. As I said it, I thought that's so true. And I had been... um, last week to the CEW Awards. Mm. And Caroline Hirons was there and Nadine. And, and it was the first time I'd gone inside an industry event as a part of that industry. And it was I was a bit nervous and I had to give an award as well. And I was kind of, you know, a bit uncomfortable. And there were some really esteemed people there. and And, and it was really, it was an exciting evening. Mm. It was an evening where I felt... At the end of it, a part of it, I felt lots of people would come up and talk to me about things they wanted to perhaps do with me. And it was exciting. And there were many opportunities and and many possibilities. And and I met people I really respect in the industry. So I went home and I was in the cab. And I was so excited to go home and tell my partner, you know, this and that. And, And I had this feeling. And this feeling was really strong. And it was kind of building up in me, this feeling of excitement and endless possibilities and anything could happen. So I got back and he'd been out and then he took an hour to get home. So I just played music because I wanted to keep that feeling. Mm. So then when I was saying this thing to people um, yesterday and I said, you know, sometimes there are days when Sanjay has said about that ball and, and there's no bloody energy in that left hand. Mm. You know, it's like it's a flaccid thing. Mm. So what we can do is we can very much take our minds back to that moment we felt something. So, so you know, as I was talking this thing yesterday, I said, you know, I, I remember that feeling. Of the feeling I had in the back of the cab, of that limitless energetic possibilities, and let me put that in my bloody hand now. (laughs) And I felt I was doing this. I said, my fan hand is heating up with that energy now. It's there because I really—it's in me. Everything is in us. It's in me. I'm going to put it out and put it there, and then whatever that meditation, how it developed, it would develop with energy. So that I believe in really Mm -hmm. strongly. Whether we can be disciplined every day to do something, I haven't done. I haven't gone and walked in the park since I did Daniel shine last Sunday. And before that, I haven't done any exercise since September. All right. And I feel I'm 53. I need to. I need to be healthy, even just walking. Mm. I need to do something. And I haven't. You know, if I looked at that heart thing on the apple thing, I walk a thousand steps a day or something really <laughs> pathetic, <laughs> even though I'm really energetic. So I kind of know I need to start next week. And whether I will, I, I don't know. But um there's an underlying sense also that I'm 53, I'm a mother of a 14 year old, I lead a very pressurised life and I need to do something to balance that out, mm-hmm. you know, when I know that you, because we had this conversation before you, um, we started recording about your having that feeling of having to take a time away.
2: Totally, of just having nothing left. Yeah. Nothing So your energy
0: just went overnight? No, it had been going for a long time. But Um, how had you masked it? How had you kind of told yourself you were fine? Had you just carried on?
2: I had, by going to extremes. So I, for some, I was going to the gym trying to run. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wasn't I, I couldn't run anymore and I'd run a half marathon. I was like, well, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well maybe I've just reached an age where running isn't for me anymore. So I decided to start weightlifting. Fine, I'm gonna turn everything to muscle <laughs> and burn fat. That. But obviously that made it even worse. And then I had Reiki, which I'd always had a very dim yeah. view of before. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit sort of hocus pocus. And I said nothing to this woman. And I just got on the bed and just tears and she's were pouring out of my eyes and she said Don't worry, just close your eyes and going to see what's happening here. Mm And she just said, you just have no energy. But she said, but you've given it to other people. Mm -hmm. And now that you need it for you for the first time ever, you don't have it. Mm -hmm. And that was a real, that was actually a real wake-up call. That was when lots of big life decisions Mm -hmm. were like, all of those people, I'm sorry, not anymore. And it was really, really positive. But yeah, so I worry sometimes. I know that when I go and when I see someone like you who's very high energy, I think... I'm always worried now about being kind to myself and if I'm yeah. having a busy week I think actually go to bed at 9 o'clock tonight yeah. which sounds so basic no, it, that's, that's very true yeah. but it makes a big difference mm. it really does Yeah. so there we are well we're at the end of our
0: time together which is heartbreaking I'm going to take that thought with me actually because it's good to get to something from this and I do feel you have a very good point just not that I'll be lying down flat mm-hmm. but just to do those nurturing things
2: Mm. mm. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I've taken a lot away from today as well.
0: Well, thank it's you. A, it's a two-way
2: on. exchange. Always a pleasure. Come back anytime. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning into the Emma Gunn Show. I really hope that you're enjoying it. If you are, please do subscribe or leave a review wherever it is that you listen. And if something has happened during the show that you would like me to elaborate on, or you just want to get in touch, it couldn't be easier. Just email me at thebeautypodcast@gmail.com. At But you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm at Emma Guns. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And I hope that you'll tune into the next episode where I have another excellent guest.